Welcome to the Voices for Her podcast. This is Sim Bates. This month we are featuring special episodes to learn more about the real-life journeys that trafficking survivors face in the process for rescue, restoration and justice. The journey is complex. It requires bravery and grit and a team of supportive people to make it through to better days. This March of 2023, I am running my own journey of 900 miles for the 900 survivors of sex trafficking rescued so far by Freedom Firm. It will be a challenging run of 30 miles a day for 30 days, and in this way I hope to raise awareness and money for this cause. Thank you to those of you who have signed up to join me with your own miles in your own neighbourhoods. Together we can raise funds and bring freedom to even more girls. Hello, I'm Leah Hank, and I serve as president for Freedom From USA. It's my privilege to be your host today. As you probably know well by now, Freedom Firm exists to fight sex trafficking of minor girls in India. We do this through the combined approach of rescue, restoration, and justice. Today, we're going to take time to expand on rescue, the process, the struggles, and the triumphs that go into locating and freeing underage girls who are being sold for sex. In the fight against trafficking, rescue is the step that stops current abuse and exploitation that is already happening. We'll open today with a successful rescue story of Anju, rescued by Freedom from nearly two years ago on March 25th, 2021. Throughout this podcast series, we will follow Anju's journey of rescue, restoration, and justice. Here is the first chapter, Her Rescue. Anju was kidnapped from her home in Madhya Pradesh when she was just eight years old. She had been waiting for her father when she disappeared and was taken to Mumbai, nearly 600 miles away, where her traffickers locked her in a hotel for a year. They moved her frequently after that until they eventually sent her to a brothel in Nagpur. In February of 2021, Freedom Firm received information about Anju, who was now a young teenager. The Freedom Firm team searched for her for a month before finally spotting her in a red light area on March 12th. Our staff quickly coordinated with the police to initiate a rescue operation and rescued her the same day. At the police station, we heard parts of her story. We learned that she had been in the brothels for seven years, and during that time, her traffickers had injected her with steroids that made her look older and caused behavior changes. After Anju's rescue, the police alerted authorities in the village where she grew up and discovered that her family was looking for her. Her parents were immediately informed that Anju had been found and they arrived later that day to be with her. Her mother, aunt, and younger sister were overcome with emotion when they recognized Anju in the police station. Together, they wept, rejoiced, and shared sorrowful stories of the past few years. We learned that eight years ago, the same day Anju was kidnapped, her little sister was also kidnapped and trafficked to Rajasthan. She too had been rescued recently and returned home. Anju's ordeal is almost unthinkable, but thankfully both she and her sister now have the opportunity for a happy ending. It can be hard to fathom how this even happens. What leads girls to being in this situation in the first place, and who would do this? Girls become trafficked in a variety of ways. There are trends and risk factors such as being from a low class, poverty, experiencing abuse or neglected home, 
or even being born into certain tribes or religious traditions that promote prostitution. Though we can identify common patterns, each girl's story is unique. Here are several real scenarios told to us by victims that Freedom From has rescued. A 14-year-old girl we'd rescued came from a family in the Hindu Devadasi tradition. She was being sold to customers by her grandmother from her home village. Her grandmother was also a Devadasi and would have lived through this same exploitation in her own youth. If this girl had not been rescued, this cycle would have continued. In another case, a teenager was courted online by a man who claimed to be in love with her and wanted to marry her. He convinced her to run away with him and pretended to marry her, but he then became violent, posted compromising pictures and videos of her on her social media, and forced her through beatings and blackmail to receive customers. In some cases, a girl and her family in a poor village were tricked into thinking that someone was offering them a legitimate job in the city as a beautician or maid or some similar position. The girl will then willingly go, only to find out when she arrives that she's been taken to a brothel, where through violence, blackmail, and shame, she will be coerced into seeing customers. Due to the hidden nature of the crime and gross underreporting, it's difficult to know the true extent of trafficking crimes in India, but even what we do know paints a grim picture. Studies and surveys sponsored by the Indian Department of Women and Child Development estimated that there are about 3 million prostitutes in the country, of which they estimated 40% to be children. That's at least 1,200,000 children in prostitution in the country. And it's safe to assume that many of these who are adults in prostitution started as children. Knowing that this is happening to young girls even now stirs us to action. What can be done to stop the cycles of trafficking and rescue those who are already caught in it? Freedom Firm's course of action addresses both of those needs. We look for girls who are being exploited to remove them from the control of traffickers, and we also work with local law enforcement and protection agencies to battle apathy and help strengthen the local response. We spoke with Freedom Firm's National Director, Catherine Raja, to gain her insight we asked her to give us a basic overview of how Freedom From goes about finding and rescuing girls, and this is what she shared with us. We have a small group of committed men uh, who feel very strongly about this issue and about rescuing and, and giving these girls a taste of freedom. So they go undercover. They develop, they, they make friends with uh, people in the red light areas, uh, traffickers, pimps, customers, brothel keepers, sometimes other women in prostitutions, they befriend them and uh, get intelligence, get information from them and then go out, verify the information. Sometimes they just know that there could be a brothel over here and uh, if they do not have any contact, they go personally and verify it. How they do it most of the time is pretending to be customers, but even other ways of not being exposed yet uh, ascertaining that there is a young girl or there is a forced woman there who needs to be freed. We are so thankful for the dedication of these men who take the risk of going into these dark and dangerous places to find girls in need. Let's take a second to put the effort of investigations into context. 
In 2022, the teams in India logged 452 investigations. Out of this, there were 33 raid attempts and a total of 19 successful raids, leading to the rescue of 40 girls. So a huge amount of effort goes into the rescue of even one girl. Investigators have to develop informants and connections and blend in with those who would be seeking out these types of brothels and paid sex. For obvious reason, we talk a lot about the rescues that happen, but they happen because of hours of persistent and brave work by investigators. These men network in the dark corners of neighborhoods and online forums to get word of girls. They then risk their own safety by physically going in undercover to meet with the girl, verify her location, and gather evidence that can be taken to police to initiate action. India has a population of 1.4 billion people, yet in the midst of this sea of people, our investigators describe the way that once they identify a girl in need, that girl's face will stay with them until they are able to find and free her. That is care and tenacity. Once a girl is located and verified, a race begins. The team must strategically take the information to police and gain their cooperation. At this point, there's the risk of police apathy and reluctance to get involved, or the police may simply be preoccupied with other matters. There's also the risk of corruption and tip-offs. It's not uncommon for someone in the police force to be connected to the traffickers, accepting bribes or free brothel services in exchange for protection. These corrupt individuals may tip off local brothel keepers to shut down or hide girls when a raid is about to happen. When we seek to rescue a girl, we're also racing against the tactic where some traffickers will periodically move girls around to different locations. Knowing that involving police will complicate our efforts to rescue a girl, we asked Catherine to explain why Freedom From includes police in the process. It's a good question because we don't have the right to go into a red light area or remove a girl by force, whether she's there by force, whether she's a child, we don't have the right to do that. Only the police have the right, only law enforcement authorities have the right to remove someone from a person, from a place. And often, because the girls are brainwashed, because the victim is brainwashed, is led to believe that, you know, now that she's been in the red light area, she will not be accepted anywhere else. So this is the best place. If an organization comes and takes you, they'll sell, they'll steal your kidney, they'll sell it. There's all kinds of lies fed. Um, because of that, the first reaction we get from a victim is, oh, I came here of my own accord if she was forced. Children will lie about their age. So it's that we can't remove them, but the police can. So, knowing that police involvement is essential, Freedom Firm has developed some strategies over the years to combat apathy and corruption. When police delay or refuse to take action, we remind them of the specific laws that are being broken and their oath to uphold and enforce those laws. If this fails, we go up the chain of command to higher authorities until we find an officer willing to enforce the law. If we suspect corruption in a local police branch, we will approach an outside branch or jurisdiction. We also limit the information we share and insist on going together with the police to the location. 
In 2007, India started creating specific anti-human trafficking units trained to combat trafficking. These units have slowly become more prevalent and are often better equipped than general police to engage in raids. You may be wondering what a raid actually looks like. If you've followed our updates over the years, you've probably seen that a raid is by nature unpredictable. There are times a mob forms and a raid gets violent. There are times we arrive at a suspected location, only to find it locked and the underage girl moved by the brothel keeper into hiding. Sometimes a raid is successful in rescuing the girl, but the traffickers, brothel keepers, and customers manage to slip away and avoid arrest. These are the risks and challenges that complicate a raid. But there are also times when we find the girl we are looking for, or we find her and even other girls. The perpetrators involved are arrested, and we are able to accompany the victims to a place of safety. These are the successful rescues that keep us going. We asked Catherine to walk us through a rescue scenario. It starts with us establishing the fact that there's a child or a woman forced in prostitution in a brothel. And uh, when you say brothel, it's any building uh, where there is one, by legal definition, where, where there is one or more engaged in commercial uh, sexual exploitation being exploited there. So um, once we establish there is a minor or a forced major, there's a child or a forced woman in prostitution, uh, we gather evidence and uh, they're all verified then we approach the police um, to come with us and rescue this girl come with their own team and uh, rescue this girl or woman and then with within the staff we have different responsibilities uh, shared between us it's decided who plays what role on the rescue operation and so we do not reveal too much details for because if uh, the corruption in the system, the corruption with the officials. And so, yeah, we do take great care to make sure the officer we approach is clean, will not leak, will not be a tip-off, but there's only so much you can make sure. So uh, we go to them and then take their team. We guide the team to the place. Uh, one of us, one of the social worker is responsible for making sure the girl is safe and she feels comfortable because it can be frightening. Mm -hmm. You've been removed from one place, you're brought to another place. Now you think that this is all, there's nowhere to go and then suddenly you're being removed from there as well. So just one social worker's responsibility is, is to just calm her and make her feel safe. Another social worker's responsibility is to make sure the brothel keeper is, uh, she doesn't run, uh, run away so that there is... Uh, a perpetrator that we can, a first perpetrator that we can bring on record. And uh, once the girl, everybody is then removed, taken to the police station, the perpetrators and the victims are kept separate, uh, our staff ensures that. And at the police station, a uh, case is filed, our FIR is filed, um, all the procedures to be done, the investigation in the police station are done, and then the girl is removed to a place of safety. She's moved to a shelter home. Once she is in the shelter home, then our team comes back from that uh, area because now we know that, okay, she's been removed, she's safe. From Catherine's explanation, we can see that the entire team is involved in the raid and rescue. Social workers play a crucial role in comforting and getting vital information from the girls, and they also help prevent brothel keepers from slipping away. 
The liaison officer is key in networking with the police and also ensuring that evidence is gathered and procedures are followed that will allow us to file a strong court case. And at the end of the day, a girl is out of reach from those who were exploiting her, at least for the time being. That's where restoration and follow-up for her protection begin, and we'll dive into that on our next podcast. We hope today's episode has helped shine some light on the complexity of trafficking and rescue, the need for intervention, and what a rescue looks like. Join us next time to hear more about the journey of restoration and the next chapter of how Anju has been doing since her rescue. Voices for Her is brought to you by Freedom From USA with music by Aradna. Freedom From's mission is to end child sex trafficking in India through rescue, restoration, and justice. To learn more, visit freedomfirm.org.